Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Acts chapter 19. We're going to be looking at verses 21 through 41. The title of the message is See the God's Fall. See the God's Fall. Acts 19 verse 21 people were getting a little upset that Paul was coming in and saying that idols really aren't anything, or if they are anything at all, they're they're demonic. So this was the San Francisco of the ancient world. As a matter of fact, um, the, the Temple of Diana ranked as one of the seven wonders of the world. People would flock here to see it. This writer, Paul Hill, says the entire edifice was elaborately adorned in brilliant colors and gold leaf. The altar area was 20 feet square and contained a massive image of the goddess with a veiled head with animals and birds decorating her head and her lower body wrapped like a mummy and her numerous breasts from her waist to her neck. The animals and breasts were symbolic of her status as the ancient mother goddess, the goddess of nature. See if this sounds familiar to you who was believed to protect and preserve the fruitfulness and fertility and productivity of the earth and of all living things. She was Mother Earth. She was the Mother Goddess. And as a matter of fact, even the Roman church at one point in history took some of the worship that happened to Artemis and Diana and it kind of moved toward Mary. And there was some worship that kind of intermingled with Diana and Mary. And obviously it was wrong, but this is something that did happen in history. And so this is the city that Paul comes into. And he's preaching and people are burning their idols. And Paul's thinking, this is great. I tell you what, I'm going to get my tickets. I'm going to get my tickets for the the ship. And we're going to move on to another city. Things are going great in Ephesus. And just when you thought you were going to leave on a good note, well... Things happen. So after these things were finished, Paul purposed in the Spirit, 21, Acts 19, to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Ikea. That's in the opposite direction. So the question is, why would Paul go there if he wanted to go to Jerusalem? Because he was collecting an offering for the church in Jerusalem from the Gentile churches. Write down, if you're a note taker, 1 Corinthians 16, where Paul says a wide open door is open for me at Ephesus. I'm going to stay here until Pentecost. Get the offering ready because I'm going to go to Jerusalem. But he had to go first through the Gentile churches to take the offering to the poor saints in Jerusalem. And that was way out of Paul's way, but that was his heart. He wanted unity in the early church. And so he sent into Macedonia, 22, Acts 19, two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, and he himself stayed in Asia. That's Asia Minor. He's still in Ephesus for a while. So he's making travel plans. He's going to go get the offering, and then he's going to go to Jerusalem. A little girl became restless as the preacher's sermon dragged on and on. Finally, she leaned over to her mother and whispered, Mommy, if we give him the money now, will he let us go? Uh, So anyway... Sometimes that happens in church, but you know. So about that time, about the time that everybody was repenting and, and Paul was getting ready to go to get the Gentile offering, go to Jerusalem, there arose, verse 23, no small disturbance. That means a big one, by the way. And the disturbance was concerning what? The way. 
You see, if Paul would have showed up into town and said, ah, you could just add Jesus to your portfolio of gods and goddesses, it's no problem. Just add him on. He's just one of many ways to God. It's fine. There are many roads that lead. Uh, you know, people, this is how people talk these days. It's fine. And you say, well, how do you know there's many roads? Well, Jesus is just one of good, many good moral teachers. But he said he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. He didn't give you the space to say he's just one of many options. He said he is the way. So if you're going to receive Christ, he is called the way. And so this is what stirs people up. Not when you give them another option of spirituality. It's when you give that narrow way, it receives wide opposition. How could you say that Jesus is the only way, Christian? And here's how you answer that. Say, I'm not saying that. He did. So if you want to take him seriously, then don't try to change what he said. And so some people were unhappy about all that was going on. And a certain man named Demetrius 24, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, was bringing in no little business to the craftsmen. That's me, that means it was big business. These guys were making money hand over fist, and they made these little shrines to Artemis, kind of like the picture I showed you. And it was a souvenir, and people would take it home for their devotions, and the God-making business has always been big for the craftsmen. Have you noticed? If you make something that appeals to people, they'll buy it up. The issue here was not doctrinal. It wasn't ethical. This, this sound familiar? It was economic. Christianity is squeezing my bottom line. Christians are actually getting serious about God and chucking their idols. It used to be that people who claimed to be Christians just lived like everybody else. So things were fine. Business was good. But now these Christians are getting serious about their faith and they're burning their magic books in the fire and they're throwing away the little goddess shrines that we make. Found a couple in the trash can the other day. This is a problem. So he got all of his buddies together. Demetrius was the, something like the master of the guild. One writer said, enter Demetrius, president of Silversmith Local 666. God says, as for the idol, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. This is where the old commercial toy came from. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. That's going to totally date me. How many of you remember that? Just raise your hand to give me hope. Praise the Lord. The young people are saying, I have no idea. What in the world? Is that, a, was that, a, is that an electronic game? No, it's not. Anyway. Never mind. God says, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? The beginning of what? Creation. Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he, God, who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. 
It is he who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. And God says, to whom then will you liken me? that I should be as equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their hosts by number, who calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. God says through Isaiah, if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know me, Don't look at a tree that's been decorated. Don't look at something that a silversmith chiseled out. Look up and see if you can count the stars. Because I not only made them, I named them all. And I'm the one that stretched out the heavens. If you want to understand who God is, don't look to human shrines. Don't look to temples. Because the heavens declare what? The glory of God. If you want to have just a smidgen of understanding of the power of this being, take a look at creation. And you'll see the weak ways in which we try to somehow capture who God actually is. See, the heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain you, said Solomon, how much less this temple that I have built. Man, we demote God so much, we make him to be just like us, and he's not like us. We are made in his image, but he is God. Amen? And so the idols need to go. And every good king in Israel that did right in the sight of the Lord got rid of the idols, uh, got rid of the Asherah poles, got rid of the high places, and every wicked king that did evil in the sight of the Lord kept them up and added to them. Even Solomon uh, put high places up to appease his many wives, and they led Solomon astray. The guy that wrote Proverbs. Amen? You see, this is how it can creep into our lives. God says in Hosea 8, verse 6, from all, uh, for from Israel is even this, a craftsman made it, so it is not God. Just listen to this. If a craftsman had to chisel out your God, he's not God. If he had to set him up on a little platform and balance him out so he's going to be okay for the day. He's not God. And God says to Israel, surely the calf of Samaria will be broken to pieces. Listen to this, Hosea 8, 7. For they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. That's in the context of idolatry. You see, what a culture and even a church sows to, they will become like their idols. And so the high places and the idols need to go. And Paul came in and preached it. I think just by preaching the truth, it was obvious to people. If there's only one true God, people in the city might be asking, then who is Artemis? And Paul might say, well, uh, nothing. She's a figment of your imagination. Or even worse yet, she's a demonic lie. And I'm sure some people were saying, wow, That's challenging me, but other people were threatened. So he called together uh, the workmen, 25 of similar trades, and he said, men, you know that our prosperity depends upon this business. This is what it's about. We receive a good income from this business, and this guy's threatening our bottom line. You see in here, 26, 
that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people. And he has said that gods made with hands are no gods at all. This guy is in our pockets. And so he's trying to stir up his fellow craftsmen. And he's going to make it sound spiritual like it's not really about money. And he says, not only is there a danger that the trade of ours will fall into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis be regarded as worthless and that she whom all of Asia and the world worship should even be dethroned from her magnificence. Can you see the passion of Demetrius? Come on, boys. Don't you see what's happening here? And you can feel the silversmith. I think we need to have a demonstration. I think it's time to go out and yell a little bit about this apostle Paul. After all, he's threatening our goddess. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 5. 1 Samuel chapter 5. He's saying gods made with hands are no gods at all. Well, let's see what the Bible says. 1 Samuel 5, look at verse 1. Now the Philistines, 1 Samuel 5, pretty far back in your Old Testament. 1 Samuel 5, 1. Now the Philistines took the Ark of God, that's the Ark of the Covenant, and they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. So now they've got the Ark of the Covenant, the famous uh, you know, uh, golden chest with the angels on top where the law was kept and so forth. And the Philistines, 1 Samuel 5, 2, took the Ark of God and brought it to the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Now Dagon was the chief god of the Philistines. He was the weather and fertility god, verse 3. And when the Ashdodites arose early the next morning, behold... Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And this is where the commercial came from. Our God has fallen and he can't get up. You need to put one of those. I'm sorry, but you know what I'm saying. So, so they picked their God up again. Now he'd fallen right in front of the ark. Kind of an interesting image, isn't it? Here, Dagon. No, we can't have this. So they... They put Dagon back on his pedestal again and they, they got their level out and they balanced him again. Okay, you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Get a couple Band-Aids on Dagon, right? And so everything's good. Uh, just, just a side note. If you have to pick up your God because he can't get up on his own, you might want to switch gods. So when they arose early the next morning, verse 4, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon, he lost his head here, and, <laughs> and both the palms of his hands were cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. Dagon not only was bowing before the true God, but he lost his head and his hands. You see, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The gods are going to fall in the presence of Jesus. And the question is, is he going to say to you, well done because you knew me and you were covered in the righteousness of my son, or are you going to be crushed before his presence because you counted on Dagon or other gods? And so therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor all who entered Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashtod to this day. I think they got the wrong message here. It's not the threshold that's the problem. It's your God. 
You would have think it would have said there, and from that day forward, those in Ashdod switched their allegiance to the God of Israel. But that's not what they did. Six. Now the hand of the Lord was heavy on the Ashdodites, and he ravaged them and smote them with tumors. It could be boils here, both Ashdod and its territories. And when the men of Ashdod saw uh, that it was so, they said, the ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is severe on us and on Dagon our God. Wow. I don't know if they glued Dagon together with an early form of crazy glue, put him back in place and said, you know, this isn't good for the career of our God. We need to move the ark on. You talk about people missing the clear message sometimes. The clear message was obvious that Dagon is not true and the true God is the God of Israel. Go back to the book of Acts. So the silversmiths have gathered and they're, they're going to do something and the great speech is now given by this Demetrius, this leader apparently of the silversmiths. And when they, they heard this, that Things were in jeopardy. Acts 19.28, they were filled with rage. They were furious. They were enraged. And they began crying out and saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Now this may have been the annual spring festival when the goddess was really proclaimed. And so there would have been a lot of activity, a lot of people looking to her. And so they went, uh, the city was filled with confusion. 29, Acts 19. And they rushed with one accord into the theater, uh, the picture that you see above, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. So the speech got them fired up. There's probably all these people there, and they grabbed a couple people they had seen with Paul, and they dragged them, and they would move from the harbor into the theater, and then they would have this um, assembly led by the priests, and they were probably just dragging them with them. There was probably thousands of people. Remember, the, the population of the city is probably 500,000, and at the festival, much bigger. So this city is jammed with people. All these people are in the streets. A lot of debauchery is going on. And uh, now these two Christian men, Paul's traveling partners, have been dragged along as well. And when Paul, look at verse 30, wanted to go into the assembly, the disciples would not let him. Now, you have to say this. Paul, are you crazy? They've got these people whipped up into a frenzy. They're all gathered in that theater, and you want to do what? What would you do? Would you run the other way? Would you get on a ship? <laughs> Sorry, I'll pray for you guys. I'll pray for you. Right? Yeah, from afar. I'll, I'll be on the ship praying for you. But Paul wants to go into the theater. I think he sees it as an opportunity for evangelism, but it could have gotten him killed. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, two books to you, right? This is the famous resurrection chapter. And here's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15. He's talking about if the resurrection is true, then this is what we should do. If it's false, then go do something else. And here's what he says. This is 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse 30. Basically, his argumentation has been if the resurrection is true, then why? And here's his next why. He says, why are we in danger, 1 Corinthians 15, 30, every hour? I protest, brethren, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If from human motives, 32, I fought with who? Wild beasts at Ephesus. Now remember, during the festival, people were typically drunk 
and you know, obviously intoxicated by this goddess and the worship of her debauchery. And Paul says, I think he's probably referring to the theater incident. I think he's saying, if the resurrection isn't true, why in the world would I even think about going into that theater? If the dead don't rise, if Easter is just a nice little story that we go to church for and that's it, Paul says, then pity me, I should be the most pitied man on the planet. But now Christ, remember, is risen from the dead. You know, we're about to come up on a Resurrection Sunday, and that's the declaration of Christianity. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Do you believe it? That's what Paul believed. That's why he did what he did. He said, I wouldn't have wrestled with these guys in this, in this uh, festival with all these crazy people. He says, what profit would it be for me if the dead are not raised? He says, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. If there's no resurrection, I'm not going into that theater. I'm not putting my life on the line. I'm not going throughout the Roman Empire to preach the gospel. Look at verse 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company, what? Corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning for some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Paul says, look, the resurrection is true. That's why you take a stand. That's why you live a pure life back to the book of Acts. And so this crazy mob is gathered and Paul's trying to get into the theater and uh, people are stopping him. The disciples wouldn't let him. The city leaders, verse 31, some of the Asiarchs, which probably had to do, connected with the, either the worship of the cult or maybe chief citizens here, some of the Asiarchs who were his friends of Paul said, sent to him and repeatedly urged him not to venture into the theater. So then some were shouting one thing and some another, 32, for the assembly was in confusion and the majority did not know for what cause they had come together. <laughs> that sound like a mob mentality to you? Just yell something. I can't even tell what they're saying. Do you know why we're here? No, I don't know. Give me another beer. Yeah, yeah. What's this about? I don't know. But there's a bunch of people in the theater painting their faces and all that stuff. And so confusion was reigning. And some of the crowd concluded it was Alexander since the Jews had put him forward. I think the, the Jews who had not received Christ were trying to kind of disassociate themselves from Paul. And he motioned with his hand. Alexander was intending to make a defense to the assembly. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, a single outcry arose from, uh, from them. And this was in unison, apparently. As they all shouted for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians, everybody. Great is, don't, don't say it. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians, right? And for two hours they went on. And you say, that's crazy. That's wild. I, I, does stuff like that really happen? Yeah, in football stadiums, two hours before the game. Great is my team. Great is my team. Right? That's just pregame, folks. And so that's what they did. One scholar said, the only thing that pagans can do in the face of the gospel is scream themselves, themselves hoarse. And so they went on and on. They didn't want to let anybody talk. They just wanted to make sure that their goddess had her due. 
And after quieting the multitude, the town clerk said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there after all who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis? There were great acoustics in this theater, so apparently everybody finally quieted down. And of the image which fell from heaven, hey, you guys, everybody knows our goddess is the one. Since then, these are undeniable facts. You ought to keep calm and not do anything rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of our temples. Hey, they haven't stolen the money that's in the, in the bank of Artemis. Nor blasphemers of our goddess. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. It was reported that they had turned from idols, and this is an address to, I believe, the Thessalonian church, and turn to the living God, from dead idols to the living God, from death to life, from the power of Satan to God. That's the gospel. Turning from what is false to what's true, from what is dark to what is light, from what is uh, empowered by Satan to the true power of God. This is what you need to do, my friend. You need to know God, the true God. There's only one. And he sent his son. God in human flesh, Jesus Christ, God the Son, came into this world, lived the perfect life that we could not live, that we failed to live and died a sacrificial death on the cross, was treated on the cross as though he had committed my sin and your sin, our collective sins. Just imagine all the filth, all the wrong thoughts, all the improper actions. I mean, when you start to think about all the all that he had to deal with, that he, had, he took upon himself the sin of the world, I don't, I don't really know how, what that all means, but I know he bore the burden. He bore in his body my guilt, my shame on the tree, took my sin, took my shame, took my punishment at the cross and he lives and he did it all for love oh he despised the shame folks you need to know he recoiled from the cross he did not want to go on the, onto the cross he said father if there's another way let this cup pass i don't want to drink the cup of your wrath i don't want to drink the cup of suffering but not my will but yours be done and for the joy set before him he endured the cross despising the shame he sat down at the right hand of god god the father God the Son is there. He is the judge. All judgment has been given to the Son. And if you know Jesus, man, you're in good shape (laughs) because you know the judge. And the judge is the one that died for you. That's the incredible message of the gospel. The one that would judge you is the one who paid your ransom. He took his own judgment upon himself. This is how much he loves you. Don't ever forget. God so loved you. Jesus loved you. Paul says, Galatians 2.20, he loved me. He gave himself up for me. And so this is the message of hope. This is God's love. It's amazing. It's an amazing love. It's what has inspired so many songs. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org.
That's livingtruthcorona.org.